welcome to Emmanuel Christian Church, the house of Judah, the house at the gate. Please join us as we'll be listening to Apostle Vincent Luan, the head pastor of the Emmanuel Christian Churches. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this privilege to sit in your, in your midst, to be in your presence. We are grateful, Father, to sit at your feet. May you speak to us, touch us. Lord, may you transform our life. I pray for every man, woman, and child seated in this place that, Lord, will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Lord, may you build us and establish us. May we be like a wild plant that cannot be stopped, that continues to grow, that continues to spread. Father, may we be like the seed that the birds will love. That, Lord, when they have eaten us, they'll drop us in most fertile grounds so that we may sprout again. Father, we pray that may your word bring so much life, excitement to us. We thank you, Father, as we pray that, Lord, may healing, restoration come upon our life. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. We are teaching on mastering the vision and the subtopic, what we are focusing on this week is the Great Commission. The Great Commission. What is a commission? A commission is to be entrusted with something of value. Commission is being given supervisory powers or be given authority to do something or is authoritative order that is given to you to do something or that empowers you is a directive that can be given to you. What is a commission? Is an authority granted for a particular action to be fulfilled or for a mission to be fulfilled. So Jesus left a commission for us to do. And today we are talking about that. Now, in the book of John 21, Jesus was speaking to Peter. John 21, verse 15 to 17. Jesus said to Peter, 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 do you love me? Can you ask your neighbor? Do you love me? You ask the question. Let them answer you. Or ask again. Ask, ask again. Do you love me? Than this. Ask, ask, ask your neighbor. Do you love me more than this? Some people are not talking. I say ask your neighbor. I see some people are blushing. Ask your neighbor, do you love me? <laughs> Let them, it's a good time to propose, brother. <laughs> you know, to say, you said you love me. When we go out, you say, thank you very much. I didn't know how to say it. Pastor, help me today. It's a good place to come to church. And make sure you don't sit too far. When we say, ask your neighbor, you turn around and say, do you love me? Jesus asked Peter, he says, do you love me? It was a commissioning. Because Peter and others, after Jesus was crucified, guess what they did? They went fishing. They fell back on their old nature. Most of the time, when things don't work, we go to the old things we have been doing. When you backslide, you go to your old friends. When you are going to have sin, you are having sin with your old friends. It's not people who don't know you. So Jesus was asking him, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, I love you. And Jesus is the commission that he gives to him. He says, 
feed my lambs. Lambs are small sheep. He was saying to Peter, take care of the vulnerable, the weak that I'm living with you. Peter, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Peter says, yes. He says, take care of my little ones. Then the second time, he asked him again, Peter, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And he says to Peter, tend for my sheep. Tend for what? For my sheep. Sheep is big. It's fully grown and fully matured. Tend for my sheep. And Peter received it. He says, I will do it. To care. And lastly, he said, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter looked at Jesus, very annoyed, like most of us get easily annoyed. Most men, if the wife can ask, do you love, do you still love me? Says, I bought you bread yesterday. What do you want? <laughs> I still love you. I'm paying, I paid for electricity. That's not love. I paid for electricity. Electricity. Does electricity, is this a sign of love? Huh? The hairstyle on your head, the hairstyle. I paid for your hairstyle. You can have a hairstyle and not be loved. Yes, you can, you can have, you can, you can have the ring and not be loved. Hallelujah. He says, he says, Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, do you know? And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. He started with the lambs. He says, the sheep that you have now, Care for them. Be tender. Be kind to them. And he comes at the last one and he says to him, uh, he commissions him, please uh, feed my sheep. It is your responsibility to feed my sheep. May the Lord have mercy. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 5. He says, but you be watchful in all things. Can you tell your neighbor, be watchful in all things. <coughs> Sorry. Be watchful in all things. So here, God was saying through the mouth of Paul, be conscious, be aware. I, as I drive, I see people who drive unconsciously. They turn anyhow, they drive anyhow. It's like nobody's driving with them. They just turn. So here, Paul was saying, I want you to be conscious of yourself. Be watchful at all times. Be watchful. Be conscious. Be aware of your situation and your environment. And listen to what he says. He says, endure affliction. Timothy, endure pain. Pain is part of life. Pain is part of the ministry. You can't come to church and think, oh, but they prayed for me. I'm not expecting problems. No, no. The fact that you have come to church, the fact that you have received Jesus might be the beginning of problems. Because your friends who steal, you can't steal with them anymore. The food that you were eating for free, you can no longer eat it for free. I don't know you understand. You suffer affliction. To suffer affliction is to experience pain. Paul was saying, be aware that when you come into, into the, the place of ministry, there's going to be affliction. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be hardship that is going to come your way. Can you pierce your neighbor? Afflict them with your fingers. 
Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Really, really serious. That, that, that is a small pain. But it says, it says, it says, endure, endure affliction. Endure affliction. People say, oh, I want to get married. You get married. Marriage has affliction. Yeah. You will go back after a month, you go back to your mother and say, Ma, I didn't know your father. Ma, Ma, I didn't know. Your father says, Stomach it in. Wait. This is what we have been living with. We didn't tell you, but this is what marriage is about. Your mother will tell you, that's what I've experienced until now. For these past 50 years. And you go and complain about your wife. Your mother tells you, what, what do you want? Enjoy what? If you can't take the pain, don't get married. Oh. When two people are in love, like this, this one who's getting married. She's getting married on the second. Can you imagine? She's on cloud nine. The only thing she's thinking is the shoe, is the dress, and uh, possibly the deco. That's, that's all what the girl is thinking. And we are celebrating. They are, they are cheating each other. The boy is behaving very nicely. And the girl as well is behaving very nicely. After they are married, it's then that the reality comes. Because gloves comes off. There's no pretense. It, before it was sparring, we were trying because I want you to marry me. Then you have to sacrifice so much. Remember to somebody. No more fancy hairstyle because we have to buy a house. No more long nails. You must buy cute text for yourself and paint your nails. We are saving money. Don't you know? Uh, no more lunch that you go with your friends after work. Take two slices of bread. You are enjoying your marriage. And you smile while you are doing it. And when your friends are saying, oh, we are going, we are going out for lunch. Say, so, see you. <laughs> you are enduring affliction. He said, enjoy affliction. Here Paul was saying, enjoy affliction, difficulty, hardship, much more than marriage. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Yesterday we went out to win souls. We met and saw over 1,300, almost 1,300 people. Endure hardship. We have been started. The reason why we started three services is because we can be deceived that we are a successful church by the crowds that we have. Decay. You know how decay comes? Decay comes as a result of comfort. Most of our young people, they start working, they become comfortable. They think, this is what life will be always. When you don't challenge yourself, you never become the best person you are supposed to be. If you cannot sacrifice now, you will never have tomorrow. So there are things that are demanded of you now. That's why the Bible says, carry your burden while you are still young. Yes, because the years are coming. When you can no longer sacrifice. My immune system is strong, but there's going to be a time when the immune system won't be strong. Today you can run. There's going to be a time 
where we'll have to help you to walk, literally help you to stand. And today you might think it will never happen. I used to believe I'm indispensable. I never understood. As a young boy, I think 17, 18, one of my relatives passed away. I said to my uncle, why did he die? Because I didn't understand. Why did he choose to die? And my uncle says, nobody chooses to die. Something that just, just comes. The person got sick, he's dead. That's it. Be happy you are still strong. Others who are strong, they just die because of accidents and activities. So here Paul is saying to Timothy, enjoy hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Can you tell your neighbor, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Most of us, we might die without even fulfilling our ministry. Because we are thinking the work we do is the main work. It's a deception. We have got few pointers. Three points that we are going to look at to try and explain the Great Commission. One, the vision of the kingdom of God is the Great Commission. The book of Matthew 28, 18 to 20. That is the kingdom. The vision is the Great Commission. If you are not doing the Great Commission... Or it's not part of your life. All of us can contribute one way or the other to bring to pass the Great Commission. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you choose to work, work for the kingdom. We usually say, you are coming for our plenary, for our, our AGM. It will tell us what, where we are using the man. You will see where the man is going. It will tell us, if we are preaching the gospel, the money will show that we are putting much of our money on that. Even yourself, if you say you love the Lord and we were to look at your money, it will tell us if you love Jesus. How you spend your money, even with us, how you spend your money tells us what is it that drives you and what is it that makes you. Are you spending all of it? Most men will say, oh, I work for my family. You look at the car they drive. They spend half of their money on themselves. Sorry. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. May the Lord be with you in Jesus' name. Listen, Jesus says, all authority and power is given. He's commissioning us. All power and authority is given. Go. Some of us are thinking, uh, uh, the work we do will give us the greatest joy. I always talk to my friends, those who went to school together who are working in very prestigious position and say, the work I do has an immediate benefit here and has eternal value. The work you do might be a deception. You might think has eternal value. And later to discover it, it doesn't have any eternal value. And here Jesus was saying, go and make disciples of all nations you, you have to make a decision. Are you really doing the, 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 the Great Commission? Are there people following? Are you growing in your knowledge of God? 
or you are religious. Most of us might be religious. We might be in church because we grew going to church. Not that we love Jesus. Like the drama they were doing here is a true story. One young woman one day came and said to me, there are no brothers in the church. They looked this side, they looked that side, and nobody, they didn't see anyone who could match them. And the word they used, they didn't say there are no brothers, they say there are only children here. And many years after, I met the same woman who have left for another church. And I asked her, she passed here, we had a conference in the church. And I asked her, I said, hey sister, are you married now? <laughs> let, let me help you on the issue of marriage. You have an aunt who's not married today. She has got children with other men that she thought they will marry her. I don't know if you get it. Let's be honest. Let's tell the truth once. Is that fine? <laughs> I say you have relatives who are senior to you who are not even born again, who can have boyfriend anywhere, anytime. And they're still not married. They've tried it, gave every boy a child, and it didn't work. No, it's the truth. You are too quiet. Encourage me, please. Listen, listen. Don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. If every woman was married, I'll say, be worried. But I can take you to my relatives. Not far. I can take you to my relatives and I think they will feel my hand. I'll show many who are married and I'll tell you this one has got three children not married. We don't know where the children are coming from but she, she's, she does have children. This one has got one or two. Everybody has tried their little bit and some of them have gone to a point of masculinity. They are they are staying together, hoping that this guy one day will make up his mind. When I say we married people, there are people who came to church and they tell, I have a child, I have a, I have a man I'm staying with. I call them men. Most men are willing to marry. Did you know? All the men that I've asked, who women, the women got born again in the church, and I say, call the men. And I say to the men, uh, why are you not marrying? Says there's no reason. The woman has not given the man the reason to marry her. And I say, things can't go this way. Let's prepare. Within two, three weeks, letters written, Lovella is paid, we sign them. They are married. It's true. Even today, we have a marriage in, in, in the East Campus. Came for counseling, they got born again, called the other, let's cancel, get married. Is that fine? But the issue of saying, oh, you know, there are no people in the church. You can go even in the world. You can be among men, but your attraction is not the one that will attract marriage. So, since there are many who are not married, sometimes it's just to say to God, you know what? I'm going to give myself to you. Give me something I can work on. No, it's true. We don't like it, but it's the truth. There are girls who will never agree to be married by a man. They don't like. They are men. I give you the, the, the reasons that some of my sons will propose two, three times, and girls will say no. What do they? What is it that they see at the boy for them to say no? Nobody knows. 
But this boy is struggling, needs help. And we help the boy. We teach people how to dress. Just dress properly. The way you are dressing. Have, have some sweets when you talk to people. <laughs> smell, smell better. Put some, put some cologne or something. Soften yourself. Be happy. Is that fine? We are talking Great Commission. We are talking what? Great Commission. It says, I am with you up to the end. Working in the kingdom is making disciples. If you say you are a Christian and there's nobody following you without your Christianity. The Great Commission is our plan as a church. All churches on the earth. As long as they say Christ is Lord. Our main work is souls, nothing else. You cannot get what you want until you manage what you have. Most people will say, oh God, I want another, I want another, I want a husband. And God is looking at you and saying, you are having three. Three boyfriends, you are confused. You are, you are having three girlfriends, you are confused. You, you are thinking you can cheat. You can't cheat anyone. You can only cheat yourself. Most people, most people cheat themselves. For a season, you might look like you are succeeding. You know, when you look at your plans, they look like they are coming together. That's why I say, talk to your grandmother. I, I like talking, talking to, to my parents. I've spoken to my grandmother. I've spoken to my mother. I asked my mother, was my father the first person? Was, was, the way it was, was my father your choice? It says, life chose for me. Yeah. And it was godly choice. Here I am today. Can you imagine if he married the other guy? Where will we be today? I tell you, we'll be lost. Yeah, but God in his own infinite wisdom worked these things and brought things together. Why can't you wait on God to work things for you? Yeah, because some women, they are working very hard. You are dressing up. You are coming to church. Shomani doesn't see you. You are trying to walk. Doesn't see you. He's blind. Towards you, he's blind. He can't see. He has no feeling. He doesn't feel anything. Listen, everything you want is in you. Last week we spoke, we said, we said, all inherent qualities of life, they are in us. Having gone to school, having not gone to school, you'll still succeed. School will give you an advantage. But we have all the inherent qualities. To Our ancestors succeeded. They built the pyramid, they built the great Zimbabwe, they built Mapungubye. We have a lot of history we can show. The education we had was not the kind that you are doing today. And this is why this education doesn't help too many people. Because we are thinking education is a piece of paper. Education is, is life experiences that you go through, that you, you, you pack on it. That's why we say doing the same thing better every time. We learn from our parents and we improve from, from them. That's why when you get married, they will call the young couple and say to them, don't do this and this and this. 
they haven't gone to marriage counseling at the University of Pretoria. But what they are teaching you, if you listen, you'll succeed. But if you listen, you look at your mother and say, old, what do you know? Which degree do you have? I've got two degrees and you don't, even metric you don't have. You will fail. Because they have gone that way before. Hallelujah. So we have all the inherent qualities. The ability to succeed is already imprinted in us. Number two, we are talking about the vision. The Holy Spirit is the power of the Great Commission. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do the work of God. When we, on Thursday, we had Ascension Day service, Jesus ascended and he said to them, they were asking, when will the kingdom come? Will we, we sit on our seats again and rule with you? And Jesus says, you don't understand. He says, all power and authority is given unto me. Listen, go to Jerusalem. You will be in Jod, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, with power. And you will be my witnesses. When the kingdom comes, you become infused with the kingdom. When we send you as an ambassador, you must be talking South Africa, South Africa. You dream South Africa, you eat South Africa, you smell South Africa. Everything you do, even the clothes, we should check which clothes you are putting on. Are you really the lover of your land or you have fallen in love with the foreign land? Because some of us, we might have fallen in love with other things other than the Great Commission. So, you have to understand, when, when Jesus was saying, you know, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. The power that was given to us is the power of the kingdom of heaven. What makes heaven to work is in the Holy Spirit. I said, what makes heaven to work is already here. The kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. The challenge we have is that we want to do our own thing. Our comfort has deceived us. When we have the Holy Spirit, then we can do the work of the ministry. That's why we say, you might say, oh, I'm full of the Spirit, and you are going, you are praying, shabara, shabara, shabara. Where are the souls? Where's the power? Yeah, let's, let's, let's pray. Shabara, 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 shabara. Let's go and win souls. Nowhere. You get, you get, you get into your car, you are driving. Uh, we are going, you are telling us, hey, we are going to, to Cape Town. White beaches. You arrive at the beach. God will be asking the question, what were you doing with, in Cape Town with my money? No, we are just enjoying ourselves, me, my wife, and my, my two children. Nice. Give God a reason to bless you. I said, give God a reason to bless you. You must say, Lord, you said in the book of Acts, Jerusalem, Judea. Cape Town is my Judea. I'm going to go to the beach, but I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to reach two, three, four people. Tell them about the love of God. Yes. But most of us, when we are comfortable, we don't want anything with God. We want everything for ourselves. Power is needed to bring salvation in there. People don't get born again because we know how to speak. 
No. We don't get sustained in the Christian walk because we come to church. We get sustained by prayer and reading the scriptures. That's what keeps us to be who we are. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin and unrighteousness. People will tell you, no, we love God, we love God, but they are not convicted. Their action says something else. Their action says something else. You have to be convicted in your heart to be driven by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, go to Jerusalem and you'll be infused with power and you'll experience the love of the Father. Hallelujah. So, we have to understand that change starts with us. Most people want to change. They want everything to change except themselves. You want everything to change but not me. Lord, change them. Lord, touch them so that they can flow with you. Without the Holy Spirit, the nations cannot be discipled. If you are a shepherd, you cannot lead people you don't love. Yeah, you can't be a pastor to people you hate. When Paul was saying, enjoy affliction, there's going to be challenges. You have a car, my car belongs to everybody. Literally, I mean, my cars get driven. I don't know how many scratches are on my car, driven by people in the church. The first car they drove was mine. So you can imagine if my, the first car was mine, how they drove my car. All the scratches on the car. I can't turn around and say, pay, pay. You, you damaged my car. No. It's part of the affliction. One boy was driving one of our buses. He burst into another car. The damage was so big. And they called me. I said, what can you do? The boy is happy. They were singing, Erobejo. <laughs> Break it, brother. Drive it hard, they were saying. Drive this thing. It's meant to be driven. He burst it. The cost are enormous. And after we fixed the car, guess what? They give the key again to the same guy. In, enjoy affliction. Tell your neighbor, enjoy affliction. Without the power, people cannot be saved. Without, without your sacrifice, people will not come to God. Yeah. There are other people who will come to church because you have to fetch them. They will never come. Yeah. You have to pick them up. You have, you have to help them until, Paul said, be watchful. Until they become conscious that you have helped them. Yes. Some people will come only if you fetch them. They will come. I told you about Pastor Richard in Miami. Pastor Richard, he was supposed to have a cell with Pastor Caesar, and he realized I'm in trouble. He went to Eshebin and picked up 12 or so men and said, when the service finish, I'll buy you two beers, two beers, two beers, two beers each. And they came to church. It's, it's a true story. <laughs> Why is it called and that's the way. If I tell them I'll buy you in the afternoon, I'll buy you a case. Please come to church. They'll come. But what happened that day, they didn't know. It was a divine encounter with God. Their life will change. And some of them are pastors today. From, from that 
When, when they were fresh from the Shebin, they thought, this fool, we are just going to go there, sit down, maybe even catch a sleep. When, when we wake up, we are going to get our beer. And when they woke up, their life were changed. They said, we don't need, you have something more better than beer. Why, why will we be intoxicated? Listen, if, if you don't have the spirit, you won't love people. The true sign of infilling of the Holy Spirit is the ability to raise others to love God, to love Jesus. May this spirit of love be in us in Jesus' name. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot win souls and lives of men cannot be changed. It's one thing to speak in tongues. It's a great thing. We can come here all night and just go and uh, immune ourselves and say we are going to heaven. But if really we have the power... Prayer without works is dead. Your prayer must manifest. If you are praying for a job, you are praying, now, Lord, I'm praying, I'm looking for a job, and then tomorrow morning you are sleeping, then your prayer will never work. No, it will never work. You have to pray. When you finish praying, take your CV and go knock doors. They will tell you no job. They will even write on the door. Never believe that sign. I was a human resource manager. Never believe it. There's always a job. From when? People are working inside. <laughs> there is somebody who didn't come to work. There is somebody who's dead. I'm telling you. So you go and knock the door. They say there's no job. You say, can I see the human resource manager? They say, no, he's not interested. You say, I can't go. I'm waiting. The one the human resource manager comes, they tell you stories. You tell them, don't forget, you, one time you didn't have a job. <laughs> so please here is my CV use it use my you will need somebody and I am that I told I told I always tell our cell leaders I say you are already a manager you are managing human resource when you go for an interview which is the things I've done when when I went for an interview, they were asking me do you have managerial skills I say yes they were asking me about secular job by secular job, I didn't have any, any secular management. Like, I never had somewhere when I said and I was teaching, people were following me. No, except in the church. I told them, yes, I've got managerial skills. I can prove it to you. I've got so many men who are following me. And these men, we run sales in the church. They are following me not because I pay them. I say, your manager say they are managers because it's not like they're good managers. They're not good managers. People are following them because they are being paid. I say, where I am, the people who follow me, it is out of their own accord. I have influence on people. I know how to work with people. So if you want your company, you better employ me. I went for one interview. When I finished, they called me and they were asking, uh, one friend of mine has referred me to this agency. The agency lady called me. Say, how did it go? We never met. I just sent my CV, told me. I said, no, that one is in the pocket. Because I spoke about church. I said, in the church, I don't pay anyone. They play the instrument. They do all of these things out of their own accord. Because there is a common purpose, the common vision. We are working for heaven, all of us. Why should we pay you to play music? Are you not playing for Jesus? And my brother, as he was singing, should we pay him for singing? No, we don't pay you. Sing. 
<laughs> why, why should we pay you for singing? For what? Yeah, sing. That's what you believe you are able. Then, if you don't want to sing, well, get somebody who can sing. Yes. And you should realize that we're clapping hands because we liked you. Not that you are really that very good, good singer. We, we show each other kindness. Hallelujah. So the Great Commission, without the Holy Spirit, we are wasting our time. Lastly, as I close, the Great Commission is personal. Fulfilling the Great Commission through the uniqueness of witnessing. You can't, you can't tell me you love God and you, you are not telling your friends about it. It's like somebody who tells you, I love you, baby, but let's not tell anyone. Do you think the guy loves you? Huh? No, listen, listen, listen. Let's get into it, you know. I love you, uh, but let's wait a bit. At the right time, we will tell them. Is this love? Is this love that I feel? Then there's no love. There's nothing I'm feeling. <laughs> How can you say you love Jesus and there's no feeling, there's no emotion. I'm very emotional with my love for Jesus. Very emotional. I've never seen anyone who's in love who's not emotional. Unless they are making it. You know, you are pretending because you are aware this guy has got money or this girl has got money. So I must just pretend. Can you tell your neighbor the vision is personal? You can't be in love and not talk about it. It's not possible. When I saw my wife the first time, I phoned my friend. I came home. I spoke to my friend. I said, this one I'm getting married to. So all that we spoke about that day, I was just, because he didn't know my wife, I was trying to describe my wife to him. Listen, you can't say you love Jesus and be lukewarm. Then you are religious. Can you tell your neighbor, if you are lukewarm, then you are religious. Yeah. You are like two people who deceived each other as if they are, love, they are loving each other. And after they are married, they come back to me and say, eh, you know, I no longer have love for my wife. From when? <laughs> From when? Does love disappear? No, you are just failing to manage things in the house. Fall in love again. I always tell the people, <laughs> Go back to the things that made you. You cannot love God and not be passionate about it. You cannot say the vision is personal. You can't be a shepherd who's not personal. You must get personal with people. You must give yourself to others. You must be very personal. Hallelujah. You have to witness and give testimony. Commissioning comes through testimony. You, you have to localize Christ through your own words. You see, when I got born again, I have my own testimony. And every time I tell my testimony, the young boy and the young girl can relate to it because they are going through the same similar things. I was young when I, I received Jesus. I was in my adolescence. So the, the things the young person is going through is the same things I went through. 
So this is my challenge to you to say, unless you become, you can't go to heaven unless you are personal. That's why we say, who wants to receive Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior? Jesus is not for the crowd, it's for the individual. Everybody has to make the decision. The fact that you are with us, you might, we might not be going the same direction. Lazarus and the rich man were staying almost the same area. Possibly they were singing, Eta, how are you? I'll see you tomorrow. Here's ten rand. Here's five rand for you, Lazarus. See you later. Lazi, Lazi. Uh, I, ate, I ate half a beggar. Uh, you know, make the, here's some chips. He didn't know. Lazarus is not going where he's going. It became a personal matter when they arrived before God. The crowd was not there. The multitude were not there. The people who always slept for the wrong things you do were not there. So, he had to make a personal decision. And even with us, we can't serve God. Jesus is a personal matter. My father cannot decide. When I said to my father, I'm born again, he told me, we are Lutherans. And you are not going to go to any church. And I was a child. I said, fine. No problem. But you see, when, when you are passionate about it, it manifests. Even when you don't want to say, it's, it's by your tongue. It should just come out. So you cannot say, oh, I love God. I love Jesus. And yet your life is not personal with him. If we were to die today or now, Jesus was to appear here. Will you have that personal relationship with him? Will you have said, I've made a personal commitment to him? It's a personal thing. I make that decision and every day I have to make that decision when I wake up in the morning. So the vision in, demands your individual contribution and involvement. You can't be a Christian by remote control. You, you come on Sunday because I've come on Sunday, I'm a Christian. Even if we bring a chicken here, it will never be a Christian. Even though I see in church. So you have to make up your mind, am I going to be personal with the Lord? Jesus said to, in the book of John 3, unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. And this is my challenge. We can't do as a shepherd, as a leader, you can't do the vision unless you are personal. You, your life cannot change. Unless you are personal about it. Can we bow our heads together? Can we close our eyes? Can we close our eyes? Can we bow our eyes? I want you to pray for yourself. Are you going to become personal with God? Or you still want to keep your life? Do you want God to come through for you? Or you are still going to do it your way? Can we pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. That, Lord, vision is personal. That loving Jesus is personal. That our father, our mother cannot love God for us. Lord, we love you for ourselves. And I pray today for the vision to come into our life. That Lord, we may become personal. That Lord, we may give ourselves fully. That our life may be surrendered to you. That when the end of time comes, it will find us ready and prepared for you. I pray for every man, woman and child in this place. That Lord, we will not miss our season. Nor will we miss our time. We commit ourselves and give ourselves to you, Lord. We pray today, turn our hearts, O God, towards you. Move us by your Spirit in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God in his own wisdom, he sent Jesus that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. Today, we can partake by taking Jesus personally into our life. By saying to the Lord, come into my life, be my Lord and be my Savior. While all eyes are closed and heads are about, maybe you are here today. Say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be personal with the Lord. I want to be personal with the Lord. This is why the question is asked, do you want to receive Jesus as your personal Savior? I receive Jesus as my personal Savior. I made that decision. Nobody made the decision for me. And today I want to give you the privilege. If you are here, you say, Pastor, I want the vision to become personal. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to be a child of God. Lift up your hand right now and we'll pray together. Thank you for joining us with Apostle Vincent Luate. For more life-transforming messages, connect with us on Twitter at ECCRSA and our YouTube channel at Emmanuel Christian Church HOJ.